0: We take up our reading today in The Pilgrim's Progress.
1: We take up the reading where Great Heart and Valiant for Truth are having. And discussions, talking, and Valiant for Truth has given his testimony. And they're talking about being in the way, in the pilgrimage. And Valiant for Truth has said, Yes, yes, for the man also told us that all would be nothing if we did not enter in, begin to enter this way, at the gate. And then he says, Bunyan says, look you, said the guide to Christiana, the pilgrimage of your husband and what he has gotten thereby is spread abroad, far and near. Valiant for truth has just given his testimony that he was put in the way by the testimony of Christian who'd gone before. And it was the story of that man's pilgrimage, that man's journey that touched the heart of valiant for truth, touched the heart of this man and made him valiant for truth and set his feet too in the way and uh, so their god says to christian christian's husband or uh, wife look 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 what your husband look what your husband has done look what his pilgrimage has done And Valiant for Truth says, why is, is this Christian's wife? Yes, that it is. And these also are his four sons. Valiant says, what? And going on pilgrimage too? Yes, verily, they are following after. Valiant it says, it glads me at the heart, good man, how joyful will he be when he shall see them that would not go with him, yet to enter after him in at the gates of the celestial city. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, how, Valiant says how happy he's going to be. When he sees that these that wouldn't follow while he was living are yet now following to that city. Great heart says without a doubt it'll be a comfort to him for next to the joy of seeing himself there it will be a joy to meet there his wife and children. We won't get off into a a long theological discussion or debate about what we know or don't know in heaven. It is my own personal conviction that we will know far more there than we know here. And we certainly won't be deprived there of any knowledge we already had here. That point I think has been extremely well made in some theological textbooks that I have studied and it is my own conviction. Our relationships will be changed there. There is no marriage or giving in marriage in the sense we have it here in the earth. But certainly we're going to know one another and know what was our standing, I'll know persons dear to me that they were dear to me here. I'm sure of that. And Bunyan certainly shares that conviction in these words when he says, oh yes, what a joy it'll be to him. (laughs) What a joy it'll be to him to see his wife children. Come in after him. Valiant for truth says, but now you are upon that. Pray let me see your opinion about it. Some make a question whether we shall know one another when we are there. Greatheart says, do you think they shall know themselves then? and that they shall rejoice to see themselves in that bliss? If they think they shall know and do this, why not know others and rejoice in their welfare also? Again, since relations are our second self, would you like that expression? A second self. Since relations are our second self, though that state will be dissolved there, yet why may it not be rationally concluded that we shall be more glad to see them there than to see they are wanting? Of course. Valiant says, well, I perceive whereabouts you are as to this. Have you any more things to ask me about My beginning to come become about my beginning to come on pilgrimage. Do you have any more questions for me about how I got started in this path? On laying himself open to further questioning. I've me said, a sound Christian is not afraid to be examined and sifted to the bottom. For he can give a reason of the hope that's in him. He knows why and for wherefore he is commenced on this pilgrimage. A real Christian has no fear in being questioned. About these matters. And so Valiant throws himself open to more questions. He said, have you any more things to ask me about my beginning to come on pilgrimage? Greatheart says, yes. Were your father and mother willing that you should become a pilgrim? Valiant says, oh no. <laughs> they used all means imaginable. To persuade me to stay at home. Hallelujah. It's blessed when children are reared in a godly home and pointed to heaven. It's blessed when they take it upon themselves to take that building. To follow that example and to go in that way. But isn't it a glorious display of the grace of God. When he pulls souls out from those that not only aren't going, but do everything in their power to stop you from going. What a testimony Valiant has. What a testimony Valiant has. Great heart said, Why, wow, what could they say against it? <laughs> He said, they say it was an idle life. An idle life. Scott, you have your book there, comments on this. He said, this has been the reproach cast on religion in every age. Pharaoh said to Moses and the Israelites, ye are idle, ye are idle, therefore ye say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Pharaoh accused Israel of this. When they said they wanted to go and serve the Lord, Pharaoh said, you're just idle. You just don't want to work. Then Scott says, men naturally imagine that time spent in the immediate service of God is wasted. That's what sinners think. They would ask you, "Why, why do you go to church? Why do you want to waste time down there at that place? Why do you want to spend time with those people? Why do you want to, This is a waste of time. This is ridiculous. Scott says men naturally have that attitude. Should a Christian therefore employ as many hours every week in reading the scriptures, in secret and social prayer, in pious discourse, and in attending on public ordinances as his neighbor devotes to amusement and sensual indulgence. An outcry would speedily be made about his idling away his time and being in the way to beggar his family. Yeah. I mean, if you spend as much time praying and studying and talking about things of the Lord as the world spends in all their riotous activity, you'd be accused of being a waste of time and that you're going to ruin your family with it. As this must be expected, it behooves all believers to avoid every appearance of evil and by exemplary diligence in their proper employments, a careful redemption of time, a prudent frugality in their expenses, and a good management of all their affairs, it would behoove them to put silence to the ignorance of foolish men. How are you going to do that? By these things. Avoid the appearance of evil. Be exemplary in diligence in your proper employments. Be careful of redemption of time. Be prudent and frugal in your expenses, in the management of your affairs, and you'll shut the mouths of these unbelievers. For there are too many favorers of the gospel who give plausibility to these slanders by running from place to place that they may hear from every preacher. While the duties of the family and of their station in the community are miserably neglected, They walk disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. From these we ought to withdraw, and against such professors we should protest. For they are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So Scott says, look, this this charge is as old as time. It's been in every age, and it will continue. But you be careful that you don't give any plausibility to this charge. You be careful that you don't make this charge look valid by the way you conduct your life. God's people should be a diligent people, a working people, a busy people because the world has always accused us of having an idle life, and that the gospel makes men worthless. So what could they say against it, Greatheart asked. And Valiant said, well, they say it's an idle life. And if I myself were not inclined to sloth and laziness, I would never countenance a pilgrim's condition. Greatheart said, and what did they say else? Why, they told me that it was a dangerous way, yea, the most dangerous way in the world, say they, as that which the pilgrims go. Hmm. Did they show you wherein this way is so dangerous? Oh, yes. And in many particulars. Name some of them. Well, they told me of the slew of Despond, where Christian was well nigh smothered. They told me that there were archers standing ready in Belzebub's castle to shoot them, shoot them who, who standing re- up uh, who should knock at the wicked gate for entrance. They told me also of the wood and dark mountains, of the hill difficulty, of the lions, and also the three giants, Bloody Man, Maul, and good. They said, moreover, that there was a foul fiend haunted the valley of humiliation and that Christian was by him almost bereft of life. Besides, said they, you must go over the valley of the shadow of death where the hobgoblins are, where the light is darkness, where the way is full of snares, pits, traps, and gins. They told me also of giant despair, of doubting castles of the ruin that the pilgrims met with. And further they said I must go over the enchanted ground which was dangerous. And that after all this, that after all of this I should find a river over which there was no bridge. And that the river did lie betwixt me and the celestial country. Great Heart said and was this all? No. They also told me that this way was full of deceivers, of persons that lay in wait there to turn good men out of the path. And how did they make that out? asked Greatheart. They told me that worldly white, Mr. Worldly Wise Man did lie there in wait to deceive. They also they said also that there were formality and hypocrisy continually on the road. They said also that by talked him, or Demas would go near to gather me up, that the flatterer would catch me in his net, or that green-headed ignorance. I would presume to go on, the, on to the gate from whence he was sent back to the hole that was in the side of the hill and made to go the byway to hell. So all these testimonies is just recounting the the pilgrimage of Christian in part 1. And he says they told me about this pilgrimage and they said this is a dangerous way to go. You don't want to go this way. Greatheart said I promise you this was enough to discourage you, but did they make an end there? No stay says Valiant. They told me also of many that had tried that old that way of old and that had gone a great way therein to see if they could find something of the glory there that so many had so much talked of from time to time, and how they came back again and befooled themselves for setting a foot out of doors in that path to the satisfaction of all the country. They named several that did so, as obstinate, pliable, mistrust, timorous, turn away, and old atheists with several more, who they said had some of them gone far to see what they could find, but not one of them had found so much advantage by going as amounted to the weight of a feather. Greatheart said, said they anything more to discourage you? <laughs> Is that not enough? Is that not enough? Wasn't that enough to just put the brakes on it for anybody? So great heart says, did they say anything else to discourage you? Oh yes, says Valiant. They told me of one Mr. Fearing, who was a pilgrim, and how he found his way so solitary that he never had a comfortable hour therein. Also that Mr. Despondency had liked to have been starved therein. Yea, and also, which I had almost forgot, that Christian himself, by whom there has been such a noise? After all his ventures for a celestial crown, was certainly drowned in the black river and never went a foot further. However, it was smothered up. Boy, my goodness! What a terrible, terrible image! What a terrible! seen. All of this is. This word that's given to value. There's a photograph uh. There's a photograph, uh, well, actually, it's a woodcut. It's a printing. It's a woodcut in, uh, McGuire's volume. Uh, I'll put it up here uh, on the table afterwards if you'd like to see it. I, there's many woodcuts and I don't share all of them, of course. There's one woodcut that, uh, if you'd like to look at later, it's very, uh, full of emotion. Uh, the artist has tried to capture the scene there in uh, Valiant's home as he's leaving and setting out on pilgrimage. And the scene is of his father entreating with him and his mother is on her knees and she's begging and weeping. It's full of emotion It tries to capture the uh, the strength and power of the those that are loved ones who try to hold you back from the pilgrimage. Uh, it's very strong, very strong emotions. Those of you that are in homes where you have unbelieving spouses or relatives or you came from homes where they were unbelievers, you'll understand something of what Bunyan is describing, and this artist tried to capture of that, the power and strength of that that pull trying to hold you back. It's a powerful thing. It's no small thing. It's nothing to be trifled with. It's painful. It's extremely painful for the believer who is purposed to go on this pilgrimage and to walk in this journey and uh, Valiant for Truth has graphically described the whole thing and uh, in addition to that I wanted to share that one image that tries to capture it you have to take a minute and focus and look at the details of the picture to to realize the, the pathos that's involved in it Scott himself had this to say worldly people in opposing the gospel descant abundantly on the folly and hypocrisy of religious persons. They pick up every vague report that they hear to their disadvantage and narrowly watch for the halting of such as they are acquainted with. And then they form general conclusions from a few particular distorted and uncertain stories. Thus they endeavor to prove that there is no reality in religion, that it is impossible to find the way to heaven, and that it is better to be quiet than to bestow pains to no purpose. This frivolous sophistry is frequently employed after all other arguments have been silenced. But it is, in, it is vain to deny the existence of hypocrites and deceivers or to excuse the evils to which they object. On the contrary, we should allow these representations as far as there is any appearance of truth in. And then show that this teaches us to beware lest we be deceived to try every doctrine by the touchstone of God's word that counterfeits prove the value of the thing counterfeited now that's a tremendous statement there that's a tremendous statement that applies here and in many other places and not just in the realm of doctrine and theology the fact of a counterfeit the fact that a thing will be counterfeited proves the value of the thing that's being counterfeited. That we should learn to distinguish between the precious and the vile. And finally, that while danger may attend a religious profession, irreligion ensures destruction. That's a very good note. That's an exceptionally good note there by Scott. McGuire said, the narrative of this man is elicited in course of conversation reveals a remarkable ordeal of Christian consistency in running the race. He had come out of darkness. Dark land was his native home. Into this dark place, the light had shined in the visit of tell truth. Whereas is, here is the message of God by the hand of one of his servants pouring a flood of light upon, upon at least one dark heart, the heart of the man who became by, for truth. The experiences of the Christian and his pilgrimage were the means of attracting the man's affections toward the narrow way. And thus the spiritual biography of one man, the spiritual biography of one man may become the prolific seed of many newborn souls. This citizen of dark land received the light and believed the tidings. For both light and tidings were revealed by tell truth. And now, see the ordeal of the test and trial through which this newly enlightened convert is called to pass. He alone has received the light. All else is dark in darkly. Even within within his own home, he meets not sympathy, but opposition all the harder to resist seeing it proceeded from those whom he was bound to obey in all necessary matters of filial duty. Maguire brings our hearts to capture something of the gravity of this testimony. The gravity of this man valued for truth. What a desperate, difficult place he finds himself in. And why? Because light, light shined in dark land into one dark heart. Great Heart says, and did none of these things discourage you? Valiant says, no. They seemed but as so many nothings to me. Great Heart says, how came that about? Ray says, why? I still believed what Mr. Telltruth had said, and that carried me beyond them all. Simple faith had been born in his heart, and he believed. He believed. And it didn't matter what anybody said. He believed. Greatheart said then was this your victory? Even your faith? And it says it was so. I believed. Therefore came out. Got into the way. Fought all that set themselves against me. And by believing and come to this place. Hallelujah. What a testimony. What a testimony. And then Bunyan has this point. Who would true valor see? Let him come hither. One here will constantly come when, come whether. There's no discouragement shall make him once relent his first avowed intent. To be a pilgrim. Whoso beset him round. With dismal stories. Do but themselves confound his strength. The more is. No line can him fright. He'll with a giant fight. But he will have a right. To be a pilgrim. Hobgoblin nor foul fiend. Can daint his spirit. He knows he at the end. Shall life inherit. Then fancies fly away. He'll not fear what men say. He'll labor night and day to be a pilgrim. <laughs> we have a term for that in our theologies called effectual grace. Effectual grace.
0: This is grace that is altogether Effectual.
1: Alexander White had some very insightful things to say about this scene. He said, This terrible fight was fought in Valiant's own heart. For Valiant was none of your calculating, cold blooded friends of truth. He did not wait till he saw the truth walking with silver slippers. Let any man lay a finger on the truth or wag a tongue against the truth and he'll have to settle with it. He'll have to settle with it with valiant. His love for the truth was a passion. There was a fierceness in his love for the truth that frightened ordinary men even when they were on his own side. (laughs) You ever known anybody like that? You ever known a man like that? Almost frightening, even when you agree with him, because of the passion for truth. Valiant would not, would have died for the truth without a murmur. But with all that, Valiant had to learn a hard and cruel lesson. He had to learn that he, the best friend of truth as he thought he was, was at the same time as a matter of fact the greatest enemy that truth had. He had to take home the terrible discovery that no man had hurt the truth so much as he had done. Save me from my friend. <laughs> the truth was heard to say as often as she saw him taking his weapons in her behalf. We see all that every day. We see Wildhead head at his disservice of the truth every day. Sometimes above his own name and sometimes with grace enough to be ashamed to give his name in the newspapers, sometimes on the platform, sometimes in the pulpit, sometimes at the dinner table, but always to the detriment of the truth. In blind fury, he rushes at the character and the good name of men who are were servants of the truth before he was born. He's criticizing now, if you hadn't picked up on it, he's criticizing some men of his day. they There are tendencies to liberalism and condemnation of solid men. These are supposed to be friends of truth. But he says up here, Lord, save me from my friends. (laughs) In blind fury, some of them rush at the character and the good name of men who were servants of the truth before they were born. Whose shield he's not worthy to bear. How shall wild he be got to see that he and the like of him are really the worst friends the truth could possibly have? Will he never learn that as his wild bull goring at men and at movements he's both hurting himself and hurting the truth as no sworn enemy of the truth ever could? Will he never see that an insolent fool he, what an insolent fool he is? to go on imputing bad motives to other men when he ought to be prostrate before God on account of his own heart? More than one wild-headed student of William Law, you students of history know who William Law was, more than one wild-headed student of William Law has told me what a blessing they got from that great man's teaching on the subject of controversy. Will the wild heads here tonight take a line or two out of that peacemaking author and lay them to heart? My dear, he wrote, take notice of this, that no truths, however solid and well-grounded, will help you to any divine life, but only so far as they are taught, nourished, and strengthened by an unction from above, and that nothing more dries and extinguishes this heavenly unction, than a talkative, reasoning temper that is always catching at every opportunity of hearing or telling some religious (coughs) gospel. Stop your ears, shut your eyes to all religious tales. I would no more bring a false charge against a deist than I would bear a false witness against an apostle. And if I knew how to do the deist more justice in debate, I'd gladly do. And as the gospel requires me to be glad to see the piety, equity, strict sobriety and extensive charity in a Jew or in a Gentile as in a Christian. As it obliges me to look with pleasure upon their virtues and to be thankful to God that certain persons have so much of true and sound Christianity in them. So it cannot be unchristian spirit to be as glad to see truths in one party of the Christian life as in another, and to look with pleasure upon any good doctrine that are held by any sect of Christian people, and to be thankful to God that they have so much of the genuine saving truths of the gospel among them. Selfishness and partiality are very inhumane and base qualities even in the things of this world, but in the doctrines of religion they are far baser yet. So he goes on and on talking about the importance of defense of the truth, of the truth, but not fearing to acknowledge it wherever it's found. Wherever it's found. Be valiant for truth. I think there's some wise insight in that. So, Valiant has given his testimony. That he will go on this pilgrimage and that he will not be detained no matter what. His loyalty, his duty of obedience to his parents notwithstanding. He will not be deterred from this pilgrimage. He will to be a pilgrim. (laughs) Bunyan says in three verses of this poem he'll not fear what men may say he'll labor night and day to be uphill and it is labor night and day we open it up for you comments questions thoughts
0: Of/ Those who of the the particular we do not deny. We so the, life the says, baby, not only the opposition to life, you know, a injury, but the path the god have we the god of god the specifically the god the the god the god god the god the god god the god 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 that without that picture of grace, those around us, including our families, and I think that I talked really about it recently, people, I did know that we are not effective. reading the right words and saying the right things, mm-hmm. but without that picture of race, those, of the
1: Mm-hmm. we see the operation in Valiant for Truth we see the operation of effectual grace In his parents, equally, we see the result of not experiencing effectual grace. All they can see is everything that's wrong, some of which was true in their analysis of the pilgrim path. But they are not wrought upon by effectual grace, they have not received Light in this dark land, and so they remain unconvinced in the space, in the face of everything they see. They remain unconvinced. <laughs>
0: Testimony that the parents gave for the value of the truth was in and of itself true. Except for the last. Because they could only see as far as children going down underneath the wall.
1: They couldn't Mm see. On the other side. <laughs> yeah. That's it, brother. Amen.
0: The shining ones and and then the Lord of the city.
1: Could not be stopped. That's effectual grace. And you remember, Pilgrim's own testimony of his leaving of the city of destruction. His, his was not that much different. <laughs> he finally just stopped his ears <laughs> and ran out crying, Eternal life, eternal life. Just, just ever. Nothing, nothing matters anymore here. None of this matters anymore. I have to go this way. That's a glorious, glorious thing when grace works that effectual in the heart of a a sinner. That's a, that's a glorious day for sure.